Time for another edition of You and Your Money. And today I've got Michael Baum, Vice President and Associate Financial Advisor at Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors in Pomfret and in Tolland. Michael, great to have you back again for another edition of You and Your Money. Good morning, Wayne. Happy to be here and Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk about what you can do right now at the start of the new year to set yourself up to improve your finances and build your wealth in 2024 and beyond. But as we always do with our monthly You and Your Money programs, we always update what's the latest on the financial markets in this first week of 2024. Yeah, well, let's start with a little recap of 2023, Wayne. We saw Stock markets and bond markets surged to end the year, posting strong positive numbers across the board. And that was led by the NASDAQ index, which is the the tech-heavy U.S. uh, index, which was up over 44% for the year in 2023. The S&P 500 wasn't too far behind, posting gains of over 26%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was over 16%. And as I mentioned, the uh, the bond markets did pretty well at the end of the year as well. So the U.S. aggregate bond index was up over 5.5%. So investors who had a diversified portfolio in 2023 should be quite pleased with the results. But I want to give a little more background on what drove markets in 2023 and then a little look ahead to 2024. So in 2023, we saw inflation pretty steadily uh, tick down and show improvement in line with the uh, the Federal Reserve's you know uh, efforts. and and what they were hoping to see, which means interest rates have likely peaked and may even start to come down in 2024. Uh, U.S. uh, companies in particular continue to hit their earning estimates, and people, the consumer, was still buying uh, goods and services uh, at a really high clip, showing remarkable resilience in the face of that inflation um, and, you know, those those fears of a recession looming. Um, So we've seen continued... Steady economic growth, maybe not as high as it was uh, a couple of years ago, but still still positive uh, on the economic growth front. And you talked about the interest rates that may be coming down after all those spikes that we had on the interest rate in the last year or two. When they begin to lower the interest rate, who does that benefit the most? Well, I mean... Everyone, really. Businesses can borrow more easily and businesses will feel more comfortable borrowing and investing in their own, you know, their products, uh, their services, expansion and those sorts of things. Individual consumers will see lower uh, interest rates on uh, personal loans or mortgage mortgage loans. And that kind of frees up money. Uh, You know, you pay a little less on your mortgage. Um, You can take out a loan to do the things you want to do. Money is just that much more uh, readily available. So, you know, everyone will benefit. And I guess the question becomes how much of those looming, you know, in- decreases in interest rates are already priced into the market um, for as far as the, you know, stock market returns are concerned. Because there was a pretty significant rally to end 2023 that was fueled mainly by the positive data showing interest rates were clearly, you know, in, in position to start coming down in 2024. Those numbers that you gave for calendar year 2023 from the NASDAQ and the like, pretty impressive stuff. Do you anticipate a similar trend for 2024, or on January 4th, is it too early to make that pronouncement? Yeah, Wayne, I mean, we, we definitely would have never predicted those types of returns for 2023 if we had this conversation one year ago. 
So, you know, you, you never can predict 44% returns in, in any particular index. Um, and, and so I think what we're looking at now, and that's actually a good lead into the risks that do still remain in the markets this year, um, there's still potential for a mild recession. You know, there's still potential for economic growth to, to slow further because the impact of rising interest rates tends to be pretty delayed. So we haven't necessarily seen all of that impact show up in, you know, all of the different segments of the economy um, and, uh, and, and potentially, you know, the job market and things like that. The signs are pretty good that we're going to be able to, you know, weather this and there won't be any sort of a major recession, but a mild recession is still on the table. Um, and if interest rates don't come down as soon or as rapidly as expected, the market may react unfavorably. Essentially, they've priced in that rates will come down, and if they don't, they'll get impatient, and we'll see you know, a, a, a little pullback in the market. And, of course, we've got wars in Ukraine and Russia and Gaza still playing out. And uh, last but not least, it's an election year. So there's a lot of potential turmoil ahead, and I think what this means is we'll likely see plenty of ups and downs in the market in 2024. Um, but that's normal. We should expect to see ups and downs. Um, and, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, are there more ups and downs and, and where do we end up? And I got one more variable for you, too. We're paying $3 or less now per gallon of gas. Doesn't that fuel a spike in the markets because it's not costing as much to transport goods and services? It certainly helps. It certainly helps. And it's one of the major in- indicators that um, that the Federal Reserve is looking at to, to see for sure that, that you know, inflation is coming down, and, and it's one of the major components when they look at, you know, sort of what is the everyday consumer paying, and, and are those costs still escalating, and, and, uh, and what does that mean for future monetary policy? And so I do think it's, it's a good sign, um, but that alone definitely, um, you know, won't, won't be the driver of the markets, unfortunately. Good information on the market update segment, Mike. As we kick off 2024 and our listeners start to make resolutions for this new year, I'm willing to bet there aren't many that have to do with finances. But you're with us this morning to share how creating a strong financial strategy now can actually be as beneficial to your financial well-being as creating a new workout routine can be to your physical health, right? It absolutely can, Wayne. So, Start with taking the time to sit down and think about your finances and plot out a strategy for the year ahead. That's one of the best things you can do for your financial health. Otherwise, you're sort of flying blind, and that's not going to get you very far in terms of building wealth. Michael, you have sort of a five-point checklist on how to build out solid financial strategy for the year. How does that work? Well, there's uh, a couple things people should start to consider right now. And, and the first one we're going to talk about here is the increased contribution limit for retirement plans in 2024. So contributing the maximum to workplace plans like 401ks and leveraging catch-up contributions if you're over age 50 can significantly increase your retirement savings. For 2024, the maximum employee contribution to 401k, 403b, and 457 accounts is 23000 and individuals 50 and older can contribute an additional $7,500 as a catch-up contribution. For simple IRAs, the maximum contribution is 16000 and the catch-up is $3,500. Now, of course, it's not always possible to take those maximum amounts out of your paycheck and out of your budget. But if you sit down and look at your budget and think about ways you might be able to contribute even just a little bit more than you are now, that can really add up to a lot more savings down the road. 
And maxing out your contributions to a traditional IRA is another option, which offers tax-advantaged retirement savings opportunities. The original SECURE Act repealed the maximum age for contributing. So if you're over age 70 and a half and, and you're still earning income in 2024, you can still contribute to a traditional IRA, which wasn't always the case. Those sound like excellent options to boost your retirement contributions. Now, let's move on to number two of your five-point plan, maximizing health savings account contributions for people with high deductible health plans. Yeah, absolutely. uh, If you have a high deductible health plan and you're able to contribute to a health savings account, that can play a crucial role in building more of a health care savings uh, buffer. Individuals um, should aim to contribute the maximum amounts for 2024, which are 4150 4150 for an individual or $8,300 for a family. And if you're age 55 or older, you can contribute an additional 1000 on top of those limits. So work those weekly or monthly HSA contributions into your budget in a way that will help you get up to or close to those maximum amounts because it will lower your tax liability and provide you more funds to cover health care costs to help keep you feeling and living well. All right. Now, what about taxes? We'll be getting into tax season soon. I guess technically it's tax season now, but most of us don't get our paperwork for another couple of weeks. So the timing is good to think about that, too. What can we do to minimize taxes? Well, obviously, taxes are are crucial, and there's a a lot of ways to to optimize taxes. Um, It's a really complex topic, and there's so many different things to consider that I have to just say this up front. It would be impossible for me to cover all of the ways to ensure you're as tax efficient as possible uh, here on on the program today. But there are a couple of major considerations you can begin to think about on your own and then discuss the more complex details with your accountant. So the first thing is individuals approaching certain tax thresholds should consider strategies to manage their taxable income. That might involve deferring income to a year later if you have that opportunity or utilizing some of those tax advantage investment vehicles that I just talked about. Um, But stay Stay mindful of those thresholds for marginal tax rates, capital gains taxes, and additional Medicare taxes. Uh, That will ensure you have a much better tax plan throughout the year and save you some money. Um, Some of those important thresholds that you should keep in mind are the 37% marginal tax rate, um, the the 20% capital gains tax rate, um, and, and of course, the 3.8% surtax on investment income, which is triggered when your modified adjusted gross income exceeds certain levels, uh, 200000 for individuals and 250000 for married couples filing jointly. And, and lastly, and this one affects you know, a lot of, of older folks, um, an extra 0.9% uh, Medicare tax applies to both W-2 and self-employment income exceeding those same modified adjusted gross income thresholds, totaling 2.35% for individuals with W-2 earnings above that threshold and 3.8% for self-employed individuals. So self-employed individuals especially need to take some extra precautions and and extra care around their taxes because they're they're just going to pay a little bit more in most cases. Michael, this stuff sounds pretty complex. Would this be the kind of thing that someone who wants to take advantage of it maybe should pick up the phone or make an appointment to talk to you at either your Pomfort or Tolland offices? Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's why I sort of gave that caveat in the beginning. There's so much to consider, so much to think about, and it's so hard to explain, uh, you know, in a blanket statement without looking at somebody's really, you know, individual, unique situation. So how much you earn, what your sources of income are, those are things that we can help take a look at 
and, and identify strategies to minimize the taxes um, and, and set you up with, uh, you know, a plan for 2024 and beyond. Well, it's still helpful information. We thank you for that. Are there any other general strategies for tax efficiency that people can consider? Definitely. So if you're charitably inclined, charitable giving, especially strategic charitable giving, and when I say strategic, I mean the timing and the amount, um, you know, can, can definitely help you save on taxes. For example, if you're older than 70 and a half and you are subject to a required minimum distribution, you can give directly from your IRA to a charity in what's called a qualified charitable distribution and have that, uh, that, that satisfy the RMD and have that income never recognized on your tax return where normally it would be when you take the RMD. Uh, there's a limit. Uh, you can do that up to 105000 per year. Um, so, you know, that, that could be a pretty big tax savings just in, take, you know, directing your RMD to a charity um, that perhaps you would have given to anyway. A lot of acronyms here, and you talked about the RMD, and I think anybody that's got some of these investment portfolios know what it is, but it's the time of the year when you start to get some of those RMDs. Explain what an RMD is and what the proper way to utilize it and report it. Sure. Well, once you reach a certain age, and, and the age has actually been pushed, getting pushed back uh, gradually by different pieces of legislation, the age used to be, you know, the year in which you turned 70 and a half, it's now 72 or 73, and there's plans for it to be as late as 75 for people who are not yet, uh, you know, at that retirement age. But what happens is the IRS requires that you start to take a distribution from those tax-advantaged retirement accounts that you've been building up your savings in. So they look at how much money was in your account as of the end of the prior year, so 12-31-2023. They look at that account balance. They look at your age, and they use a formula to say you must withdraw this amount. And, you know, how exactly you satisfy that RMD is going to be dependent on your individual situation and and your tax situation. But, you know, a lot of people take it uh, one month at a time and spread it out over the entire year and use it as sort of an extra paycheck to go with their Social Security and, you know, any other income sources they have. Um, other people want to, they don't necessarily rely on that income. They don't need the RMD, but they're still required to take it out. So they may wait as long as they can and take it out right before the end of the year just to allow those assets to continue to grow tax deferred for as long as they possibly can. With most RMD providers or most investment providers, does that money just automatically either come to you in the form of a check or into some account, or do you have to ask for it to get it? Well, they'll typically remind you that it's required, but they will not typically automate sending that money to you, in my experience. Um, so it, it's something where, you know, you'll, you'll want to be on top of that. Um, and if there's a certain way that you want to receive it, you know, you'll, you'll have to provide specific instructions. Um, in my experience, most, you know, custodians or banks are not going to be going out of their way to, you know, have that conversation with you to, to figure out what's going to be best for you. Um, they're just going to put it on your statement somewhere that says, this is your required minimum distribution this year, and, and leave it to you to sort of figure out. All right. I'm with your five-point checklist on how to build out a solid financial strategy for the year. Number four, assessing estate plans and staying on top of financial dates. What should people know in that regard? 
So if you've got an estate plan, that's a good first step. If you don't, you should definitely think about uh, getting one. And, and when I say estate plan, I'm not talking about, you know, people who have millions upon millions of dollars necessarily. An estate plan is just a set of instructions that details what you want to have happen to your assets. You know, something happens to you and, and you and you pass away. Um, so um, that could be as simple as a trust that says this is where I want these assets to go and who I want to receive them. It could be more complicated. Um, I'm sorry, I meant to say a will. A will would be the most simple. Uh, a trust would be more complicated uh, with a more detailed set of instructions. But um, that would be sort of the, the basics of estate planning, and it, it sets up you know, how your, your assets will pass. And if you don't have those in place, essentially everything that you own would be go through a probate process, and the state will decide you know, who receives what. Uh, based on, you know, sort of their their formula of who your next of kin is. So it's really important that you have that in place. And it's also really important that you regularly review and update your estate plan to make sure it stays in line with your wishes as your life evolves and your circumstances change. And while you're at it, um, you know, you know, update your beneficiary designations, review those, make sure that you're not, you know, um, you know leaving leaving your retirement accounts to the wrong person. Um, and be diligent about key financial dates and maintaining a monthly financial checklist will help you ensure that you're staying on track with your financial strategy and making planning adjustments throughout the year. So we have a really helpful list of key dates available on the resources page of our website, along with a bunch of other great tools. You can check it out at whzwealth.com slash resources. That's good to know. Thanks for sharing that. And finally, number five on your five-point plan for 2024 Seeking professional financial guidance is essential. Can you emphasize the importance of professional financial advice in this process? Well, I, I think, you know, listeners probably got a, a little taste of it just from our conversation today. We're trying to cover so much information and try to synthesize it in, in a simple way, but a lot of this is actually just quite complex. And navigating those complex those complexities of your overall financial plan uh, on your own can be can be quite a challenge. So seeking professional guidance is really invaluable. Financial advisors like myself and the entire team here at WHZ serve as trusted partners, and we provide tailored strategies aligned to your individual circumstances and goals. So collaborating with a professional ensures a comprehensive financial plan and wealth management strategy designed to achieve your long-term financial objectives. So here we are on the fourth day of the new year. Do you find that, let's not just talk about this week, but say the last couple of weeks, people are looking into investing into the same things as they did a year ago, or maybe taking a different direction when it comes to stocks, when it comes to bonds, when it comes to domestic versus international, just the entire investing philosophy? Have you seen a change in the last year? Well, I guess our investment committee meets um, pretty regularly just to look at where, what we see as the opportunities in the market, what we see as the threats. And so we, you know, the portfolios we manage for clients are always making those sort of changes. I think individuals, you know, out there who are more do-it-yourselfers, uh, um, you know, have, have probably been, you know, chasing returns more often than not because what they see, they see, you know, the indexes are starting to go up. They see that pocket of the market doing really well. They, they jump in. You know, they see a downturn, maybe they get scared, they, they, they get a little skittish, they, they move out of those, you know, those pockets of the market that are doing poorly or, or, or doing less well. 
Um, a lot of people moved into cash last year because, you know, banks were advertising CDs and money markets that were in the 4 or 5% range. And that felt really nice to get a safe, secure 4 or 5% after, you know, the downturn that we saw in 2022. So um, I do think, you know, people in general are, are often moving their money around. And I think they're often, you know, moving it based on what they have seen do well most recently. And I don't think that that's a long-term winning strategy. I think you, you kind of miss uh, the, the, the best of times when you're, when you're reactive. Um, and so I think that's where our approach and our investment committee um, really helps clients kind of stay with a strategy, ride the, the short-term blip, and, and take advantage of the long-term benefit of a really well-diversified portfolio. And to get the aspect of where we go in 2024 with our finances, 2024 resolutions, and setting your financial strategy now and benefiting all year from that. Michael, thank you for joining me on the show and sharing these invaluable financial planning tips for the new year. My pleasure, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to our listeners, if you seek guidance or wish to discuss your financial strategy or any of the key topics we mentioned on the show today, don't hesitate to reach out to Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Financial Advisors. They offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center 06259, and now at 392A Merrow Road in Tolland, that's 195, at 06084. They can be reached on the phone, 860-928-2341. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. This material is intended for information and education purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice a solicitation, or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or investment product. The Tenured Financial Services Team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.